1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, February 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, after topping a quarter million first doses, state health officials say they expect new vaccines will be available within a month. Then, a recent report reveals inmates with disabilities face dire circumstances in Mississippi prisons. Plus, the debate over how to rehabilitate Mississippi State Parks intensifies in the Senate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is crossing new thresholds in vaccination distribution. More than a quarter million Mississippians have been vaccinated against the coronavirus. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the vaccine rollout in the state is running smoothly.
2: The performance of Mississippi getting vaccines in has been very, very good. If you look at the first dose vaccines that we've received, if you exclude the long-term care partnership, so we're just talking about the Department of Health and private providers and hospitals, we have received a total of uh, 316,000 first doses. We have given over 231,000 of those doses. Of that remainder, 85,000, 45,000 are in the mail. We just ordered them. Just ordered them, right? So you can't give ones that are in the UPS truck. That means there's about 40,000 doses that are in offices ready to be given to people. But I want you to think about that. That's less than one week's inventory. If we get 45,000 a week and we've got 40,000 going into the next cycle, we're rolling them, right? So we're doing a really good job of getting it out there. So my, my point is, we're doing a good job. Partners, keep giving those first doses. Um, when you get first doses, get them out as quickly as you can with the understanding. That there's no guarantee that there's going to be more first doses coming, but there will be second doses. There is a guarantee of second doses. If you get a if you get a supply of first doses, you Absolutely. will get a supply of second doses Absolutely. to match those. Absolutely. Yes. You know, um, you know, bar an asteroid or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Health officials say two additional vaccines could make the vaccine rollout more efficient. The AstraZeneca vaccine trial is nearing completion, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is expected to be approved by the FDA in two weeks, according to Dr. Dobbs. He says he has not seen detailed data from the study, but says publicly available information looks promising.
2: Yeah, so it'll be great to have more tools in our tool chest. Um, we do know, it was the Johnson & Johnson, I think the FDA is going to look at it on the 26th of February. Yeah. February. So within a few weeks, they'll have that same sort of process. And if we, can, if we consider what happened before, and if we extrapolate it, it would say the 1st of March, we're going to have availability of Johnson & Johnson vaccine. First couple of weeks of March, more than likely, yeah. We have not seen detailed data. So before we make any sort of broad pronouncements of what we think about it, we want to see that. But what we've seen in media, like everybody else, is that the benefits are going to be one dose and i've got a lot of people who are super excited about the one dose concept eighty five percent protection from severe disease, but only sixty something percent protection for any disease so there's a there's a trade off between the one dose and that sort of you know maximal effect efficacy we've seen of the others so We'll have to sort of wait and see how that plays out, but I know a lot of people who are excited about the first dose.
1: As the department continues reaching more residents with vaccinations, it's also monitoring tests for traces of the new variants. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says that unlike some other states in the region, Mississippi has not yet seen signs of a variant strain.
2: We do send, and, and we have for, for quite some time, since. um Uh, representative samples to CDC the same as any other state has done Um, you know one of the things that we are doing now is expanding that surveillance so that we expand that catchment area and expand the the geographic surveillance that we're doing so that um, you know we're we're getting it into gear now so we can we can hope to identify if if there are variants in Mississippi Uh, again so far we haven't identified one but Uh, That doesn't mean that we haven't had any in in Mississippi, just that uh, we hadn't picked it up
1: yet. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers. Dr. Dobbs says the Department of Health is also creating new ways to get homebound residents vaccinated. He says additional coronavirus vaccine appointments should become available sometime Tuesday. Coming up, a recent report reveals inmates with disabilities face dire circumstances in Mississippi prisons. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
3: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org.
1: And thanks. A new report from Disability Rights Mississippi alleges cruel and unusual punishment at the hands of the State Department of Corrections. MDOC, which is under investigation by the Department of Justice following a string of violent outbreaks and deaths, has been under new leadership since last spring. But the new report brings to the surface new concerns as it details allegations of abuse and discrimination against inmates with disabilities from 2020. Jane Walton is the Communications Director for Disability Rights Mississippi, a private nonprofit advocacy group. She details the report with MPB's Becca Schimmel.
4: The overarching lack of just humanity that we saw, whether that was from, you know, a a corrections officer um, saying to someone who had been placed on suicide watch, you know, well, you should go ahead and kill yourself. Um, But then I think even um, the things that might seem... More mundane or perhaps the saddest, um, when you look at individuals just not being able to access the shower or the bathroom by themselves. Um, you know, there was one, uh, client of ours who reported that because of using a wheelchair and because of some barriers at the shower and because he wasn't provided with a shower chair, he hadn't been able to take a shower in six months. Um, and there's just something so, Unspeakably inhumane about that just the you know the the simple right to be able to clean yourself um or to be able to access the toilets by yourself um or even to to have assistance to do that um but there's such a, a lack of of staffing um that th- these individuals don't have that, so yeah, I think you know it's also shocking, but those just kind of um things that that might seem small um is is this is the most shocking and sad to me because it just really displays the the human rights violations that we're seeing.
5: And is that, did that person not have access to a shower during what year was it during the pandemic? Was it prior to that? Or. So
4: this was, um, I believe this was prior to the pandemic. Um, but, but it had been in six months time since he had been, um, transferred. And so, you know, our, as a client, our attorneys um, work to make sure that these people um, are able to get that the help that they need. Um, But yeah, and that's, you know, of course with COVID um, it kind of stalled some of our investigations for this report um, and just stalled our regular visits that we make to these facilities. Um, But I think that's important to note is, you know, of course, COVID just only exacerbated this stuff. But but this has been going on, obviously, um, far before COVID. And then even, you know, after things returned to quote-unquote normal, normal in terms of that crisis, um, we're not seeing any action to remedy these other day-to-day situations.
5: And so what are you all hoping will come out of compiling and sending this report out?
4: So we you know, we know that everyone knows, and that's kind of the reaction that we've gotten thus far since putting out the report is, um, everyone's kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's bad. But yeah, of course it's bad. Um, whether it's from the legislature or or the media, even there's kind of been a, well, yeah. Um, which is, is frustrating. And so I think about the, one of our goals with the report was to release it to the public um, to you know give the public access to these hundreds of photographs that we were able to take legally. Um, and um, you know to share to share these situations um, of people that might kind of be forgotten within the system. Um, you know we we hear so much about um, just the overarching violence. Um, within these facilities, or the, the the troublesome nature of these facilities, um, but to shine a light on people with disabilities specifically, um, and to see how how they're treated, um, we thought within the the good of the public interest um, for Mississippians and beyond to know um, that this is what's going on, um, and because we have yet to see much action, um, in terms of reform from the legislature. Um, you know, we've, and we've tried to, to work with them and tell them what we know. Um, and when we haven't really seen any, any movement, um, to address these issues. And so we hoped that by taking it to the public, um, people could really get a glimpse, um, into these facilities, that we do when we go, um, on these monitoring visits and, um, to hopefully, you know, spur public interest so that there is, um, continued momentum to put pressure on these lawmakers, um, and MDOC to address, um, these, these violations, you know, we're, we're not looking at, um, Oh, that could be done better. You know, we're looking at violations of the Americans with Disabilities Act and of, you know, we're seeing instances of cruel and unusual punishment.
5: Are you pursuing any kind of legal action based on the findings of your report or based on what you say are violations of the Americans with Disabilities Act?
4: So we have within our power as a protection and advocacy agency the ability to pursue uh, litigation for issues such as this. Um, right now, anything is possible. We, we're we not going to comment on any um, pending or potential legislation uh, or litigation specifically. But it is um, at, at this juncture, we are prepared to use any tool in our toolbox to see some, some change in some momentum. And if it comes to litigation, that is a tool that we have in our disposal.
5: But have you pursued any legal action at all based on any of these findings?
4: Based on this report, we have not pursued litigation at this time.
1: Jane Walton, Communications Director for Disability Rights Mississippi, with our Becca Schimmel. Commissioner Burl Kane has been at the helm of MDOC since May of last year. He says he hopes prisons will be in compliance with the Americans with Disability Act by July. It's
0: horrible. We want to, have, we want to be in compliance because folks who have disabilities have to be accommodated or they're going to be in misery, and we don't want that. So, you know, it's a problem. Everything in the prison has to work smoothly to have a content prison and a safe prison and reduce reduce violence. Our job is to correct deviant behavior, you know, not lock and feed and torture and torment, and to have less victims of violent crime. In doing that, we must meet everyone's needs so that they can be as much as they can be.
5: Had you seen or heard um, about any of these conditions or incidents prior to this report?
0: No, and that's because everything focused on on the riot they had last year, and on the the COVID, and and the conditions of confinement, the food, the and I saw some really horrible things, and and so uh, it, it was just it just was a lot to fix, a lot to do here, and just start with the basics, but but to, to be able to be mobile and get around and to meet the requirements of those with disabilities, showering and so forth. It's just inhumane not to meet those conditions, and we're working hard to do that really fast, and we will, we will be in compliance and quicker than later.
5: Mm-hmm. And what action do you plan on taking to remedy these conditions for Mississippi inmates with disabilities?
0: One thing we've done is the first thing we did is we organized our tactical team to get control of the gang situation and stop the violence and be able to have prison in a normal way. The next thing, though, we've just done is is to try to hire as many people as we can, but focus on maintenance as well. And we just created three mobile maintenance teams that's going to be working under a gentleman that's very capable and competent, Mr. Sprayberry. And these mobile teams will enhance the maintenance facilities team that they already have. So, therefore, we can actually double up on how soon we correct deficiencies and how soon we correct deficiencies overall in the prison. This department had been just allowed to deteriorate. I don't know what in the world the past people were thinking.
1: Burl Kane is the commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Coming up, the debate over how to rehabilitate Mississippi state parks intensifies in the Senate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. debate over how best to operate Mississippi's neglected state parks is growing controversial. The Senate recently passed a bill that creates a study committee to determine if state parks should be returned to local governments, repurposed or leased to private companies to operate. The plight of the state's public parks has been a stated priority of Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. There are 24 parks in Mississippi. Parks and Wildlife Chairman Neil Wally says one of the estimates to store them is 147 million dollars during floor debate last week Senator Daniel Sparks a Republican from Northeast Mississippi questioned Whaley about the financial acuity of such a committee
6: when someone asks for us to take a hundred and forty some odd million dollars to put into any program we should know where the money's going is the money being utilized well and that's what we're trying to accomplish with the study committee no one is trying to hurt the state parks. We're trying to preserve and protect them with this effort as a committee. Is that what you're attempting to accomplish, Mr. Chairman? Yes, sir.
0: And, you know, like you spoke earlier to the point that you have two state parks in your district, I have one that holds a very special place in my heart from the family gatherings that have been there since I was a little boy. Uh, and to see the state of the park from the time that has gone through my life, it's quite devastating. Uh, I'm not looking at any way to ask anyone to make a decision based on a question that I do not have the answer to. I would not ask any of you to do that when I would not do it myself. So this study committee is based on the point that there are questions that we simply do not have answers to, and we're searching for those answers, and the answer may not be in anything that was listed in this study commission. That's the part of a study commission
1: other senators are skeptical. Democratic Senator Hobb Brian of Amory says the study committee is a smokescreen to eventually privatize public state parks.
6: Anyone who thinks this isn't an attempt to privatize the state parks is naive. Read the original bill as introduced. Where do you think that came from? State parks belong to the people of Mississippi. They've been neglected, just like every other function of state government has been neglected. While we have given... Billions, 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 billions of dollars away to the well-connected, billions of dollars away to out-of-state corporations. Plenty of money for that. When was the last time we had a legitimate pay raise for state employees? When was the last time we tended to any core function of government? And now, just as the pattern always plays out, after neglect after taking the public good, this public property, these public parks, which belong to the people of Mississippi, and failing to adequately maintain them, and failing to take advantage of the asset that we have that belongs to the people of Mississippi, now we're going to throw up our hands and say, Oh my, this state just can't handle this. The government's just not competent. We've got to turn this over to private industry. we they got all come in. That's where this is headed. That's the story you're going to hear. And when it comes time to privatize the parks and turn them over to the well-connected and let a bunch of big boys make a pile of money while undoing the access that ordinary Mississippians have. You're going to hear the story about we've tried everything. And we've this out, and we've studied, and all this is just the best we can
1: do. Republican Senator Angela Hill believes the private operation model could benefit the state parks. She says she has seen it work at a local level.
3: I kind of believe that if you could hunt deer and turkey in a state park, they'd be top-notch. Um, I, uh, I live by a park that used to be run by Pat Harrison. Um, which is, you know, quasi-governmental entity, Little Black Creek, Um, that park got in such disrepair that the counties that were paying into it pulled out, and and it felt like it was of no benefit to them whatsoever. Nobody was ever there. Just, you know, the pads were, you know, crumbling, just neglect, basically. Um, And they have allowed some person to come in and manage that park for them, and you can't get a site there anymore. All kind of activities going on. I camp there now myself. Um, I have seen that arrangement save that park, absolutely save that park by just having a different management uh, come in and run the park for that entity. I believe our golf courses on our state parks are already um have a group that comes in and runs off courses, and I believe that they are more successful now and not uh, in this financial not in, in any kind of financial uh, ruin. Uh, so you know whatever it takes to allow people to have access to this, and you can still afford to go to Little Black Creek. I, I don't see any difference in the prices. All I see is a difference in philosophy and how this park is being run and what's being put into it and, and attitudes.
1: Still, skeptics like Senator Bryan believe there's a danger plans to privatize operations would result in profiteering when the success of state parks should benefit the state employees who manage them.
6: Now, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe we will come up with a program which keeps the public parks. In public ownership operated by public employees for the good of the public. Maybe we'll have employees that have access to the state retirement system, to the state insurance system, and have decent paying jobs with decent benefits. And maybe the profit which the big boys would make from this, would instead go into lowering rates or put back into the parks for the good of the state, good of the people, instead of having somebody making some profit hauling money off somewhere. I would be very pleased to be proved wrong. But there is a very real danger that what I described is about to happen. And I would say to anybody in the state of Mississippi who cares about the state parks, You need to watch this like a hawk. People who care about keeping the parks available for public use, either free of charge or at low rates, depending on what the use is, needs to watch this proposition as it goes through. Read the bill as introduced. Remember what's happened time and time again with situations like this. We've got great state parks. They need, for lack of a better term, sprucing up a bit. But the measure of the state parks and what they're doing for the system is not a measure of how much money they're making or how much money they're costing. It's a measure of what are they providing for the 3 million people of this state and for people from out of state who wish to come here and visit. Thank you.
1: The study committee bill calls for five members of the committee to be appointed by the lieutenant governor and five by the Speaker of the House. Whaley says the study committee will present their findings to the Senate. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.